Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Hauk, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to today's episode. For today's chat, I had an opportunity to chat with an inspiring mom by the name of Denise Brady. She's 36, happily married. She's a mom of two boys. Actually, her youngest is the same age as uh, as mine as well. And she's an avid runner of both trail and road. And we really dive into today's conversation, talking about running, but also talking about things like developing grit, developing perseverance, Perseverance, how to make fitness a priority, especially while raising a family. We talk about how to save time when it comes to meal prep and training, and lots and lots of tips on how to get started with running or how to get better at running. This woman, she shared so many phenomenal pieces of information. I know you guys are gonna absolutely love this. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with the inspiring woman, Denise Brady. I just wanna kick things off by welcoming you and thanking you for taking the time this evening to chat. Thank you. All right, let's get into it. So Denise, can you just tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do in the world of fitness? Ah, my, my name is Denise and I'm um, kind of a stay-at-home mom, part-time respiratory therapist. And on the side, I always say I'm like a splash of runner, but it's become more of a like drowning in runner <laughs> more recently. So um, I do a bunch of marathons. I've done Boston a couple of times, and I've done a couple of ultra marathons, like 50K races. But really what I love giving back to the community of fitness is is the inclusivity of, of running that, you know, everybody – I have a lot of moms that come up to me and say, oh, I wish I can run. And I was like, you can. You just need to make it a priority um, because you for, – for me, my, my personal motto is – you can have results or you can have excuses, but you can't have both. And results can mean a plethora of things to different people. It can mean like the loss of 10 pounds or really just the gaining back of your self-confidence, especially after something like becoming a parent or a mom. So, I mean, I'm sure you can understand that you are basically the center of this little person's life and that can take away from you really, really, really quickly. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So where did it all begin for you then, Denise? How did you get started with running? Yeah, um, I, I always loved running in like elementary school and high school, but I didn't do any post-secondary stuff. It was my roommates in university and in fourth year that were like, hey, let's do a try, a try. And I was like, okay. And I realized that the run part was good. And then again, running kind of fell by the wayside. And it wasn't until the end of college, um, when my cousin and I, we would get together and we go for these epic long walks. And the one day we did like 15 kilometers and we thought we were awesome. And then my cousin said to me, we were walking in Guelph one day and he's like, how far do you think that lamppost is? And I was like, I don't know, about a couple hundred meters. He's like, do you think we could run there? And I'm like, well, yeah, everybody can run there. And so we did. And then from there, it just kept increasing lamp posts or electrical poles, you know, until one day we kind of looked at each other and we were like, hey, let's sign up for a 10K. So we did the Toronto Zoo 10K together and it was fun. It was just, it was really fun. And then uh, in between there, I was married and then I got pregnant with my first a couple years after I was married. And then it was, we still went for walks and stuff. And then all of a sudden my cousin had messaged me one day and he's like, hey, we should do a half marathon. And I was like, yeah 
Yeah, we totally should. So we signed up for the uh, Good Life Half Marathon, and um, I ended up running it six months after the birth of my first son. And then since then, I mean, for a few years, I was kind of what we call a fair weather runner that, you know, if if it was too windy or too cold or too hot, you didn't really run. But, you know, I still enjoyed it. I didn't do any workouts or like any type of like tempo training or intervals, which are all fun catchphrases for running. And then I had one really big, everybody has that one like failure race where you're like, okay, something's got to give. And for me, that was a 10 kilometer night race in Ottawa. And I ended up hitting a wall at like 9.5 kilometers. And I was like, who hits a wall in a 10K? So it was after that that I ended up getting a coach and he kind of helped me have form a plan. And then from there, I had switched coaches in between and had another baby. And then it was after the birth of my second son that it kind of became my postpartum get back into fitness where he was seven months old and I did another half marathon and I had done a couple in between, but it was after that, that I was really, really serious about it. And anybody worth their salt and running the, the question that everybody asks is like, Oh, have you done Boston? But for me, the marathon wasn't really part on my radar. Cause I knew that my half marathon time wasn't quite fast enough. And the idea of being out there for four hours for me would just seem absolutely crazy. Like on a road race for four hours just seemed, seemed absolutely crazy. So I really worked, um, at getting my speed up and trying to get my half marathon time under, I have like an hour and 45 minutes. And then it was once I achieved that, that I was like, Oh, I think this Boston thing might be, might be doable. And then I started kind of gearing towards doing doing a marathon and seeing if I could qualify for Boston so it was it was a really neat journey but it I always tell people I'm like I wasn't a collegiate runner I wasn't an elite runner by any stretch of the imagination or anywhere close I was an amazingly average runner and then it was it was over those those lamppost minutes and hours and and that kind of stuff that I really found my love of of running Mm, I love that and I love that you admit to that versus saying that you were born with this wonderful gift and uh, and then were able to do what you've been able to accomplish now, Denise. So what were the big things that had to shift for you? So you hired the coach and obviously there was some techniques or some things that they had you change that made all the difference. So I'm just curious, what were those things for you? Um, the things really were um, being accountable for the work that you put into it. So, I mean, if, if you want to get faster, you have to do the work. Um, and if you want to achieve whatever fitness goal you have, you really do have to do the work. So that meant sacrificing some of, some of my time even around the house. So luckily I have a husband who is ridiculously supportive of my crazy habit, which is what I call it now. He calls it my part-time job, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> um, because I put I put so many hours into it. But but that's really what had to give was was realizing that I wouldn't be able to achieve my goals by just being that fair weather runner by having those excuses. I had to put those by the wayside, and I mean that meant training in. I mean, we live in Ontario, so minus 40 degree weather um, or training in plus 40 degree humidex and but being smart about it at the same time. So even if it was a plus 40, then managing your expectations for whatever workout you had assigned. So it was just a, a matter of really managing expectations and, and making sure that I put in the work um, in terms of like speed workouts, long runs, especially and and luckily, like I said, I have a partner who who really did encourage that. And I think it was more because he recognized that um, running and especially for me, trail running, it's my happy place. And it kind of lets me recenter who I am in order to be the best person at home for my family. So he knows that if it's been a few days or if I'm luckily, knock on wood, I haven't been injured, but for those things, um, he gives me the time because he knows that I'm a better member of the family when I'm able to accomplish those things. Oh, that's so amazing. And I feel like one of the biggest points you brought up there was the fact that other things around the house and just other things in life just had to become less of a priority, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean... I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I've fully washed my floor, you know, (laughs) like that, you know, and especially, I mean, my kids are four and seven, almost eight. So, I mean, we're really in the thick of it. And, and especially with, with my boys, like they, 
they're going to start getting into stuff really, really, really quickly. Like my oldest is already getting into hockey. My youngest loves swimming. So I know that these are, are things that are just going to get more time consuming. So I wanted to make sure that I had achieved a bunch of my personal goals before I get busy with stuff with them. Because right now, you know, I can get away with it. Whereas I know it's going to take a lot more juggling when it comes to them and, and their activities where it means like, Oh, maybe I'll just run around the arena while he's, he's on the ice or, you know, something like that. Whereas now um, my youngest is just going to start JK in September. So um, I would push him in our, in our running stroller while my oldest was in school. So my husband and I both work shift work. So I'm, I work casually, but he works full time. And so that's, that's the, that's the thing that I had to work around was like, okay, you know what, the, the little guys, they, they want to see that my mom can do these things too. And especially raising men, like eventual men, I wanted to show them that women can do stuff and, and moms can do stuff and moms don't just have to be mom. It's like daddy works, mommy runs, but mommy runs a lot. And my mommy's really fast, but it's not even a matter of mom being fast. It's just that my mom takes that time to be herself. And that was the message that I really, really, really wanted to develop for my kids too. Mm-hmm. It's too funny. We have a kid exactly the same age then. <laughs> my my son is starting JK in, uh, in oh, September yeah. as well. So, yeah. And of course, everybody asks like, what are you going to do with your free time? And I always say, I always joke, I'm like, maybe I will eventually wash my floor. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Or probably just run more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Crazy. Absolutely. Um, I'm a professional competitive bodybuilder, so I can totally relate to yeah. like all of this. And it's so funny because even in tracking my progress and sharing that online, like people would see that my house was like an absolute disaster. There was toys all over the floor, like in every set of progress check-ins and that kind of thing. And I would just show people that, that like sometimes like it's just choosing that I don't choose to spend my time putting away the Lego blocks because <laughs> I just... To me, it just doesn't matter as yeah. much as the thing that really lights my soul on fire. And like you said, that how that shows the example for our children, right? Like when you grow up and you are that example for them, you don't yeah. have to nudge them towards being active because they kind of just copy, right? Yeah, that's just it. Like it's it's just always been in the house. You know what I mean? And I also joke to people because everybody has their vices, but people are like, well, how do you find so much time to run? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea who's on The Bachelor right now. And I can't tell you, you know, the latest, you know, whatever, insert social media, whatever craze is going on. I'm like, because I'm usually running. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So let's just continue your story. You had the shorter distance runs and now you're rocking these ultra marathons and let's just for people that are maybe listening who don't know what an ultra marathon is, let's give them a little bit of um, information about that too, Denise. Yeah. So an ultra marathon is basically anything longer than the marathon, which is 42.2 kilometers. Um, so I've only, only, I've only done a few 50 kilometer races. So two, and I have another one coming up in the fall, which is another 50 kilometer. Um, for me, it's more, I've done Boston a couple of years in a row now, which is in April, usually every year, not usually it is always in April every year. And a lot of the ultra marathons for the longer distances, say like a 50 miler, which is 80 kilometers or even a hundred kilometers or a hundred milers, which I'm not even thinking about right now, but really I want to try to get into like the, the 50 miler eventually, but they're all usually in the spring too. So I haven't been able to expand my distance um, into the longer ultra marathons, but still. So yeah, so I've done a few 50Ks, but um, really it kind of fell fell in my lap by accident or by happy coincidence. So I'm part of a, a all women's relay running team that get together every once in a while because we're all like-minded, very strong females and we're called the Wild Bruce Chase. And we had this friend who had this wonderful idea a bunch of years ago, like three years ago now, who she wanted to get together a bunch of strong women to do an end to end of the Bruce Trail. And for people that don't know what it is, it's it's 900 kilometers from Niagara Falls, Ontario to Tobermory, Ontario. 
across some of the most rugged terrain in terms of uh, footing, um, a lot of Niagara escarpment, so really rocky kind of stuff. And um, so we did it. There was a team of 18 of us three years ago that did the end-to-end nonstop relay of the Bruce Trail. And we did it in four days, one hour, and it was 39 minutes or something. And so, yeah, people were like, oh, but you didn't run overnight. And we're like, yeah, we did. We just had headlamps and we had people to help us, you know, just to make sure we, we didn't go off, tra- off track. And it was through this group, we've since done a lot of um, other, we've done a few other fastest known times on some other trails. And one day, one of them was saying, because some of them are ultra marathoners as well. And they were like, I'm going to do the Squamish 50 kilometer or 50 miler race. Does anybody want to come out to BC with me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I feel like that'd be a really great opportunity to do my first ultra marathon is in the mountains of British Columbia. with my like half marathon or almost marathon legs. And so, yeah, it happened to be, we all signed up and I went out to, to BC and, and had the time of my life and realized that the long distances is where these short, sturdy legs really, really flourish. Um, I've always had a really good, apparently a really good trail etiquette and presence and stuff. And my fellow teammates were like, you're kind of a savant on the trails where you, you just kind of know and you just kind of plot along and you, you have this, this tenacity that I guess I didn't discover. And I think what that kind of taught me was that we're, we're kind of our own doubting Thomas. You know what I mean? Where, I mean, back in the day I was like, Oh, I'll never be able to do a marathon or I'll never be able to run Boston or I'll never be able to run 50 kilometers. That just sounds crazy. But it's not until you have these other like-minded, wonderful individuals to, to help make you realize your own potential. And so that's kind of what I also love about the running community, especially more recently, because there are so many women who are getting into it, is that you can really, really lift each other up in the community. And that's something that I really am looking forward to giving back is is uplifting other women and people in general, just welcome them to the running community and letting them know that you don't have to be this amazing runner. If you run, if you put one step in front of the other, a little bit faster than walking, like you're a runner. It doesn't matter how fast you are. So, yeah. Mm, there's so much I want to unpack there. But the first thing that, <laughs> yeah, the first question I want to ask then is, what in the world do you tell yourself? Like 50 kilometers to me, I'm like, holy shit, girl. But, <laughs> but like, what do you tell yourself to keep going, right? Like, what is the mental coaching that you're saying when you're like, oh, I just want to give up or all these other things are telling you like you should turn around now or or you be- could stop here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cuz I think uh, that's it's the mental what? game. The mental game is all of it, right? Your your body literally can I believe. Honestly, do so many incredible things. It's your mind that you have to control in those moments to say, "Hey, no, you're okay, girl." So, what do you say to yourself? Um, in the beginning, I'll be honest, there was a lot of negative self-talk, um, especially in like my first marathon where I was like, you have no business being here. Like, what do you think you're doing? You should stop now. And the funny thing is what I realized is a lot of that centers around nutrition. Um, so your mental capacity centers a lot around your nutrition. And it wasn't until one of, again, my fellow runners, she was like, when I finish one of my marathons or ultra marathons, I feel full because I've consume so many calories. And that was another thing that I'd realized is that bodies aren't cookie cutters, obviously. Um, no two of us are the same. And, and the same thing happens with our fueling. So when it comes to the marathon and ultra marathon, what I found works the best and what friends have given me advice over the years and, and has been has rung true is that you have to be able to embrace those hard times, expect them and manage them when they come. So when it comes to a marathon, sure, the first, if you're running it properly in the way that you've planned and hopefully the way you you wanna execute it at like the 21 kilometer mark, the halfway mark, you should be feeling pretty good. Like you're working, but not that you're gonna die essentially. Um, And then it's really between kilometers like 30 to 38 or 40 where that's where they say that you really start to run the marathon because that's where your mental game kicks in and that's where you need to really pay attention to your fueling do constant body checks and say like okay head to toe you know what's going on with my body is everything okay can I speed up do I need to take a gel do I need to eat something do I need to drink something so that's one of the number one things that I realized is when you get that little voice in your head that starts saying like "Mm, this is this is kind of hard. You sure you want to do this? You feed it. <laughs> so 
essentially. And then the other thing that really that I that I usually tell myself, especially during ultra marathons, because luckily they've all been on the trail. Trail running is a totally different animal, where you're basically this food driven animal. So, so for me, it was like breaking it up into little checkpoints. Like, okay, so there's only seven kilometers until the next aid station. So, or um, even during the marathon, like, oh, only another 35 minutes before I can have another gel or another little treat or a sip of water or something like that. So um, basically when it comes to the mental game is is breaking it down because I think no matter what, we all get overwhelmed with that big picture. And when it comes to running, it's no different. Like I'm sure with you, with your competition, like you're very overwhelmed with what you want the end goal to be. But sometimes we get so caught up that we skip the process and we skip realizing that there is a process and the same thing happens when it comes to racing where you get to that 30 kilometer mark or the the 40 kilometer mark or the even the 45 or 48 kilometer for the ultra and you realize like okay like this is this is where i have to really pay attention to me and to to kind of feed the animal and so the other thing that i do at the very end of races or when it gets tough is like that promise of the post-race beer or like, oh my God, I'm going to have the biggest pile of French fries when I'm done this. So it's kind of a reward system too. I think it's at the, at the core, we're, we're all very food driven when it comes to certain things for working hard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would just kind of add to that of the the practice of it, right? How you're admitting there that like it was a lot of negative self-talk, but I feel as though even though you're at the beginning, I feel like you're faking it a little more than what you truly believe. But over time, we start to believe that that self-talk is like going to actualize into what you're actually telling yourself. Like I'm going to make, th- I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to be victorious, whatever it is that you're telling yourself. Yeah. But at the beginning, we don't really it's hard to lean in towards positive self-talk when you're like, I've never done this before. Like, I actually don't know if I'm going to get to the end of this thing. And, and the other side of the coin, too, is is realizing that, and even when it does get really tough, and one of the things, like, you have to realize is I've only had one race that didn't really go as planned. And it was a marathon that I was supposed to do um, in Toronto, and it was the Scotiabank full marathon, and it was a super humid day. And at the 18K mark, I was like, I'm done. This isn't worth my training. You know, it's so I really, really, really juggled with, with the mental talk for that one. And I, with, with this race, there's two archways toward the halfway point where one archway is like this, like sunny tunnel toward the half marathon finish or this, like what felt like the dark deserted forest to the full marathon (laughs) turnoff. And I kept on like beating myself up saying like, no, this is just, this is, you're being silly. Like you can do this where I tried to really pick myself up. And then, so I went through the full marathon tunnel and, or archway and I got past the one timing mat and I was like, you know what? No, like this isn't, this isn't my day for this race. And I'm like, I said, I'm not going to waste this entire training cycle on this race. I can race in three weeks. There's another marathon that I can do. Um, so then I actually doubled back and I, I went through that half marathon archway and, and that was the only race that I really didn't finish. And I actually gave into the, I wouldn't even say negative self-talk. It was just that body check where you're like, okay, everything isn't okay for this one. So this time it is okay for you not to finish because you already have a plan and you know how you're going to pick yourself up from here. So I think it's even those setbacks that you have to also listen to, to let yourself know that sometimes it is okay to not go through with what you've trained for as long as you have a strategy for it not to become a habit of, of not finishing or not competing or whatever too. So, so yeah, it it happens to everybody, literally everybody. Mm -hmm. What does that body check look like? What are the questions that you're asking yourself in terms of checking in with yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, so I do like a ground to brain kind of check. So you check with your feet. How are they feeling? Do I have any hot spots? Especially during ultra marathons, you really want to pay attention to hot spots for, for blistering and that kind of stuff. Cause you, your feet are your weapon when you're running. So you need to make sure that you take care of them because they do take a beating for sure. Um, and usually at aid stations, especially in ultras, you can stop and take off your shoes or put on some band-aids or whatever you do or Vaseline or something. Um, and then it just goes up from there. So how are my calves feeling? Are they starting to feel tight? Or even when it comes to your feet, like how's my footfall? Is it starting to get really sloppy? Am I starting to, to feel anything in my ankle and my heels? And then you work up to your calves, your knees, quads, especially for Boston, 
the first half of that race murders your quads. And if you've executed it poorly, you're going to feel it when you get to the to the hills in, in that course. So that's something that you also need to, to check in. And then hips, back, you know, ab- abdominal muscles, shoulders even, because if you're starting to get tired, you either lean back really far or or you hunch really, really, really forward. And so you really just want to keep on checking your posture um, just to make sure that your form is good. Because if you keep running with really bad form, even during a race, you might ruin yourself or injure yourself um, later on, essentially. And then when you get to your head, that's where you do the mental self-check. Like, Am I starting to have those negative thoughts? Okay, now it's time for a gel, you know, that kind of stuff or or water, electrolytes, whatever. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of what that head to toe check looks like, just making sure that all your systems are working together. And if something is feeling off, if there's something you can do to correct it, if you can change your footfall, if you can kind of shorten your gait or something like that, then it's better to check early than to discover it too late. And then it ruins your whole race. So that's kind of what I do very, very, very frequently when it comes to running. Mm-hmm. Do you think everybody needs a coach to... No, for me, it was more, um, I didn't know where or how to get better. Um, some people are really good with finding a plan online or something like that and, and being able to follow it. For me, I kind of needed, and it probably just is, is a, <laughs> speaks to my character, I needed somebody who could be disappointed in me if I, if I didn't do it. I needed that other person that would hold me accountable. Um, because, I mean, nobody likes hurting. <laughs> and, and if you do the training properly, the workouts are going to hurt, but not in a bad way in a, Oh my God, I think I'm dying. But at the end of the workout, feeling like you're on top of the world once you get some water and stuff like that. But, and it was the same with the long runs, like having that person to be like, Hey, I noticed you didn't do your workout this week or noticed that it didn't go as well. Um, do you want to talk about that? Or do you want me to reschedule it? Or it was really having that person to, to hold me accountable because otherwise I wasn't training to the, my full potential. So it was really that other person to check in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's really interesting that you knew that about yourself, that you knew that the accountability would make the difference for you. Yeah, yeah. I think I've always been that person who was more concerned with disappointing others than disappointing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that means. But <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the kind of person that I am. Like when your parents are like, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Like that always crushed me. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I know that I'm exactly the same way in terms of I am a coach, but I still have a coach all the time because <laughs> I know it makes a big Ooh. difference for me. I feel as though I uh, push myself so much harder when there is that person on the other side that I might disappoint. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome when you know that about yourself. But I think it's interesting that you also acknowledge that some people it's not a good fit for. I feel like some people, when it comes to that, they may even sign up with a coach, but they might be in a position where even if they disappoint you, they're kind of like, meh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and pardon me that I can get to that point in my running career where I've had a coach for so long that like, you know, what works for you and what doesn't. But, but that's the other thing is like, not all coaches are the same or, you know, some of them, it, it's personalities. It's, it's the kind of race that you're training for. Um, it's a matter of like, if they understand what's going on in your life, you know, things like that. And, and so it does sometimes take a while to find a coach that, that works for you as an individual and to also realize that it's okay if a coach doesn't work out because it's not personal. Yeah. It's just what works for you. And especially if it's something that you're paying for, you do want to make sure that you're going to be getting the best benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just feel like when it comes to coaches or gurus or experts or whoever you're choosing to follow on whatever fitness pursuit, I feel like it's like you bite the fruit and spit out the seeds based on like what you come to learn makes the most sense for yourself as well. And, uh, I think that's one of the coolest parts about fitness and just moving your body is developing so much self-awareness about yourself and about your body I feel as though like I'm sure the personal development and growth you've went through on all of those runs by yourself has been absolutely remarkable right yeah absolutely there's been a lot of what we call character building runs (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's it's that like oh gosh I remember I have a friend in town that I run with and he and I did this this long run one winter and we had 
50 kilometer headwinds with like a wind chill of minus 30. We had all the layers, all the Vaseline on our face for protection. And like it got to a point where we were trying to do some, some tempo, some, some up, like a faster speed during the workout. And it was, it was just awful, but you like, we finished the run and I think it was something silly, like 30 or 32 kilometers. And we were like, okay, so that was a good character build one, Yeah, you know, or, or like sometimes you, you, there's like torrential downpours during one of your, your uh, workouts. Like I remember another time we were on the rail trail here and it just started pouring again with like these gusts of wind and you feel like, you know, Captain Ahab in the storm being like, is that all you got? You know, <laughs> just one of those things. You you kind of just have to shake it off and say, okay, and at the end of the day, like this is going to help with that mental fortitude. So it, it doesn't work if all of your runs are going to be, or all of your exercises are going to be that picture perfect situation, especially when it comes to running and running outdoors. Like you really do have to be prepared for whatever the day brings, because especially when it comes to marathons and ultra marathons, you can have the most amazing training block come out unscathed, you know, feeling amazing. You had an amazing taper and fueling and blah, blah, blah. But that day, if Mother Nature gives you like a 40 degree day, like with Humidex or, you know, she decides like my first Boston, it was it was last year and it was the, they said that it was the worst weather that they have ever seen for the Boston Marathon. It was torrential downpours, four degrees Celsius with 60 kilometer headwinds for the entire race. So it was it was one of those where you're like, okay, this is this is where the grit comes in and the grit is something that takes a really long time to develop and it takes a lot of self-discovery to know that, you know, you have that innate ability to to just say, you know what? Whatever you throw at me, I'm going to throw it right back and it it was the most amazing feeling to finish, especially my first Boston. It was my first Boston and I was thrown with that and the the feeling of euphoria when you finish something despite that kind of adversity when it comes to mother nature it it really is unparalleled mhm absolutely so for the person who's listening and thinking to themselves you know i really want to get into running or i want to run more consistently what would be the tips that you give them for getting started um start small um and really manage your expectations cuz i know that a lot of people including myself they just automatically assume that they should be able to run 5 kilometers and that's usually this that's usually the smallest race that that you can sign up for in the community and when they don't achieve that goal or when they find the first, you know, 100 meters or something impossible, then they start getting into that negative talk to themselves. Um, so they just need to really manage their expectations and and do the walk run, um, you know, because if you're training smart, then you need to realize that your body's going to need time to adapt. And it's going to say, like, I'm sorry, why are we running? Like, are we endangered? Do we need to catch our own food? Because you still have those primal instincts. You still have that fight or flight um, at the base of your of your brain and anatomy. And that's something that they need to to kind of respect and realize. So so yeah, when it comes to to running, it's it's just knowing that it's not gonna be easy. Even for somebody like me who's been running for a little while now, the first kilometer always sucks. <laughs> it always feels hard. And it's just your body saying like really, but, but, you know, we don't have to do this, right? <laughs> so, so it's a matter of convincing your body that, you know, this is fun. This is something that I'm doing for myself. And it's that part of the mental first part of even getting out the door. And there's been so many nights where it's one of those, I could run or I could not. And you start getting into that like comfort zone. So then you just basically put one foot in front of the other, you put you put your big girl pants on or your, your running short pants on or whatever, and you just get out the door because that is usually the hardest step is just getting out the door um, and, and realizing that it doesn't matter that I have a friend who can run a marathon. That's not me. Um, I always say in my races, you know, if I see somebody passing me or somebody that I know is a, is a better athlete or runner than me, I always say like, my race is my race. Their race is their race. I'm going to run my race. And that's something that anybody who's starting out with running needs to kind of say to themselves is my pace is my pace. My run is my run. And, and that's something 
that you just need to to accept for yourself and embrace really um, that you know the process is going to take a while, but just putting one foot in front of the other is is the first step. Mm, I love that those quotes are magical. <laughs> Even the way you said them, Denise was magical. <laughs> Oh, fantastic, fantastic. I really like running. (laughs) I can tell. I can tell. I love it. And I love talking to somebody that's so passionate about what they do. It's awesome. So you talked about some gels earlier and talked a little bit about fueling your workouts. So I want to dive into nutrition. I want to talk about what off-season looks like in terms of nutrition, what what you're having while you're actually running your race, if there's maybe some mistakes that you made with your nutrition in the past that you've since corrected, all of those things I think would be super interesting for our audience to learn more about. Yeah, um, the funniest thing about me is that this is the first time or the first marathon build I've actually just hired a registered dietitian because of all the things and how hard I work for what I do, my nutrition, I don't want to say it's awful, but it's not amazing. <laughs> really, I always say to people, like, I run because I like food and I really like beer, you know, and wine. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of keeps me fit because of those almost, I don't want to say vices, but like, I really do, I do love food. But um, what I really learned uh, from my registered dietitian just even over the last few weeks is you can eat what you want. It's all about portion and it's all about timing. So instead of having that big giant lunch where I'd have like hummus and an avocado and I'd have crackers and cheese and and like a handful of almonds, which all sound really great, but I don't need them all at once. Um, and realizing that, okay, for my breakfast, I, I make like homemade oatmeal, which is great, but it's it's not enough for what I'm doing throughout the day. So I would be getting the right amount of calories throughout the day. The timing of them wasn't right though. So really having that bigger kind of breakfast where you have a bit more protein so and adding different foods that have more protein so those are things that I'm still learning over time um but when it comes to like pre-race with running it's pretty pretty straight across the board where you need to start what they call carbo loading so in the week uh, before your big marathon um, you need to make sure that you're slowly increasing your carbohydrate intake just because it is going to be one big long expenditure especially at something like race pace when it comes to a road marathon um so like the night before the race is like a big pasta dinner or that's actually two nights before i usually do like a big pasta dinner and then the night before it's something simple like a whole sweet potato with a chicken breast with some broccoli because you don't want too much fiber but you still want those nutrients um so those are the kind of things that i pay attention to in season. Um, and then during the race for me, I have gels. It's something I've realized that my body really likes more natural food or gels when it comes to that kind of stuff. So there's a bunch of gels on the market. I happen to use one called endurance tap and it's just three simple ingredients. It's a Canadian company. It's maple syrup, ginger, and salt. And it, it's done wonders for my stomach because I found some of the other gels who I don't want to say they're synthetic, but they're not necessarily as natural. And my stomach just rejected the amount of actual sugar in them because it was more of a processed product. Um, whereas it seems to really enjoy the, the endurance tap with the natural maple syrup and ginger and stuff. The only caveat with that is that because it is a natural sugar, my body burns through it a lot quicker. So that was something else that I had to figure out during the marathon where I was like, oh, I'm taking them every 45 minutes as directed, but like I'm hitting a wall or like the last 10 kilometers of this marathon or even five kilometers are feeling like death. And it was then that I realized, huh, maybe I need to take them more frequently, which is something that I started practicing doing during my long runs, which instead for me, um, because I metabolize it a bit quicker, I have to take them every 35 minutes instead of every 45. And since I've discovered that, you know, it's it's been night and day in my racing, especially with marathons and ultramarathons. Now, when it comes to ultramarathons, they're kind of fun because you're not going at nearly the same pace. At least I'm not. Um, so you can get away with eating a lot different things. When it comes to an ultra aid station, it's, it's a smorgasbord. So sometimes they have like, grilled cheese they have chips they've got watermelon they've got candy pretzels like you name it because during an ultra marathon you're really expending energy over a really long amount of time so sometimes like five plus hours my first ultra marathon in the mountains i did it in 
oh gosh, it was like seven hours. So you have to feel your body for seven hours. And for me, I couldn't do that with just gels. So I really loved chips and watermelon during those things. And those two things tend to work for me during ultramarathons or chips and watermelon and sometimes the occasional chocolate. But when it comes to off season, then um, really that's the one thing that I really need to work on. Um, basically, I need to realize that I'm not doing as much so I shouldn't be eating as much but that's when my body's finally like can we gain back all of these pounds that you lost while you were training <laughs> so it's it's tough because it also tends to be the winter when all of us naturally want to hibernate so it ends up being a little bit more carb filled than it should which again is something that I'm working on um but yeah it should it really just boils down to portion it it that's where it kind of it kind of goes to is is making sure that you can still eat the foods that you love you just have to make sure that the portion is correct for the amount of energy that you're expending at the time. Mm-hmm. How many calories would you eat per day? Um, so my base calories, like if I wasn't doing anything, would be about mm, between 15 and 18. So right now I eat about, if it depends on the on the week. So if it's a peak week and it depends if, like, if I'm actually running that day, I would average it between 23 and 2,500 calories a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. I would say to that, uh, that that's pretty interesting. How much would you say that you weigh? Um, I weigh about 128 pounds and I'm five foot three, but that okay. also changes depending on, um, where I am in my, in my training cycle. So I'll try to cut down toward like in the next few weeks to get more toward like a race weight where for me, the happy place is about 125 pounds. My very first marathon that I really trained for, I ended up getting to about 121 and I felt like garbage. It was it was too light for me or I didn't do it properly. So that was something that I also recognized was that, sure, I got down to this like elusive race weight, but I don't think I did it properly. So it seems that my body has adapted. Now I've done five marathons, so my six will be in September. And I think my body is starting to get used to the distance. So it's it actually takes a lot more for me to try to cut down that weight because I think my body reserves a lot more of it and I'm sure I've got more muscle and that kind of stuff in the process as well but um yeah it's funny because people look at me and they're like oh you're not that big and I'm like no I'm like 128 pounds they're like what (laughs) so I like saying that I'm pretty solid (laughs) but uh but yeah it it surprises people with with how much I actually weigh Mm -hmm. does your training also involve strength training Mm -hmm, definitely which is another thing that I've that especially as a runner, I really need to work on. Um, but it doesn't have to be super involved. So luckily I have this whole village that keeps me going. So I have a chiropractor and a massage therapist and my coach and now registered dietitians. Like I said, it's my little village that kind of work together in concert to, to keep me where I need to be and where I need to be in training. And it was my chiropractor that has, and my coach who have really amped up some of my strength training exercises by really pinpointing, especially in Cairo and massage, where my weak spots are. They're like, okay, so you're kind of complaining about this little thing now. And that's the best part about them is that any little niggle, it's like, okay, I need to get this checked out before it becomes a really big problem. Um, And they give me um, specific strength training exercises for whatever is really weak. Like right now, my left side, my left glute specifically is really, is a lot weaker than the rest of my lower body. And so my Cairo, you know, talking to her, she, she helped give me some exercises like, okay, so you need to do like these step ups, but like with a tap at the bottom, you know, things like that. So they also were good in realizing that with the volume of running that I'm doing, finding that extra time to do strength training can often be a real challenge. So giving me workouts that don't have to be an hour at the gym, it can be 20 minutes and realizing that like sometimes body weight is actually okay. So that's kind of what I've been working on with with them is doing like 20 minutes three times a week and changing it up every once in a while depending on what feels weak or what they've they've discovered is weak in in the body at that point. Mm, that's so interesting. I yeah, uh, yeah, I love that it you require all of those people in a good way. Like I feel as though sometimes People think that when you see somebody that's doing incredible things that they're doing it alone. But I love that you have both mentioned the incredible community that surrounds you with your running team and then also all of the healthcare providers that make it possible for you to be able to do what you do. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to shift gears and talk about family stuff. So mm-hmm. how do you make fitness a priority, especially while raising your family? Um, it, it ends up being trying to make what I do, like my running, trying to do it at times that doesn't disrupt the family. Um, and that's been something that I've also been working on over the last couple of years and something even in my last marathon training cycle that I feel like I've finally found a bit of a rhythm. So sometimes, especially when it comes to, to long runs, they can be anywhere from like 25 to 36 kilometers. So to put that in perspective, when I do a training run, say even right now I'm getting into some of my peak weeks. So this week I'll do a 32 kilometer long run, but I also have to work a night shift on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's a matter of changing your schedule and realizing, okay, so my kids want to be at the beach every day. So I want to make sure that if my husband's working, I get up at the crack of stupid sometimes, or I do it when he gets home. So my, my runs sometimes are at 4am or sometimes they're at 8pm or, you know, so it's really trying to plan my running in the least disruptive way possible. Now, especially as I mentioned with the long runs, that can sometimes be a little tricky. So it's nice that we've kind of worked out a system where as long as it's not every day that I'm disrupting the family, you know, once a week or a couple of times a week, it's kind of that it's accepted. And I don't mean like acceptable. It's like, okay, so Sunday is or Friday or Saturday, mommy is doing this, it's going to take her three or three and a half hours. But you know, we've planned it, I try to do it early in the morning. And then I'll say, hey, I can do this. And then later on, we'll go to the beach or something like that. So it's really just making sure that I recognize that I need to spend time with them as well. And sometimes it just means sacrificing a little bit of sleep, or it means going to bed at like nine o'clock and waking up early and getting it done. But that still means that I'm really fortunate that my kids go to bed, you know, at a decent hour, like 7.30, 8 o'clock. And then I still get at least an hour with my husband if he's home. Or if I do it first thing in the morning, it's because I'm like, oh, we want a date night tonight. Or, you know, making those other things priorities where, as I mentioned in the last marathon training cycle, there was a couple of nights where, you know, I, I had an easy run planned. And all of a sudden it was just like, you know what? I feel like I just really need to reconnect with my husband tonight. So you know, he'd, he'd ask like, Oh, I thought you were going for a run. I'm like, yeah, but I kind of just want you tonight. So having, it wasn't every week, but realizing that, you know, that was my priority for that day was, you know, we've been two ships passing in the night with the shift work. And even though I have a run scheduled, you know what, you are my priority tonight. And I think that's really helped with the running relationship at home between home and my family is, is knowing when to make them a priority identifying when it seems a little bit strained or it seems like, you know, oh, mommy's always gone running or working or whatever. Um, and realizing that sometimes you need to shift and make, make that a priority. So yeah, I've gotten a lot better with, with doing that more recently. And it's definitely made a difference both in my, in my mental game when it comes to running, um, and for the, for the climate of the family, really. Mm -hmm. Are there certain ways that you, explain it to your kids yeah yeah um I usually say well if mommy doesn't run then you know she can get really sad and you guys don't want mommy to get sad right and I mean they're young but I know that running is one of the biggest ways that I've staved off depression um and really has helped my my mental health I I often joke and say running keeps the crazies away you know because I mean, we can feel like it's just this never ending hamster wheel of mummy, mummy, mummy. That's my only role. And we stop making ourselves a priority. So I try to explain it to them in that, in that way, basically saying like running is something that makes mummy happy. And every so often mummy needs time for herself and they kind of get it because that's, that's almost always been their norm, especially for my youngest. He's never known anything other than mummy running. And, um, that's kind of what, what's worked with us is basically, we've always spoken very frankly to our kids too. We've never really baby talked them and and spoken to them like tiny humans instead of just little babies. So it's, it's been nice that they have that sort of comprehension with it as well, but they know that basically it makes mommy happy and, and they like seeing mommy happy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that perspective. And, uh, yeah, I just, I think that, uh, 
Yeah, I just think it's amazing that you're stepping into making yourself a priority because don't you think so many moms struggle with that once babes come along? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, you have this tiny human that all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, your entire existence depends on me, (laughs) especially in those first few weeks and months where especially if you're breastfeeding. Gosh, I remember the birth of my of my first son and like he he was a big kid. He was almost 10 pounds. And my husband would come home from work and find me on the couch in the exact same spot that he left me. And he's like, how's your day? I'm like, you're looking at it. Your child just ate for six hours today. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Dairy cow. And, and so, yeah, like he was, he was always like, what can I do? I'm like, nothing, but just keep asking. That's the best part, you know? Yeah. And so that was the thing that really worked for us. But, but yeah, it's, it's really easy to lose yourself in those moments because you do, you have this tiny human that is now completely dependent on you. Um, but it's also a good thing to realize that you don't have to do it alone. You know, unfortunately there are some of those moms and I was raised by a single mom for the first six years of my life. So I understand that, you know, some people don't have anybody else, but that doesn't mean that you can't make yourself a priority. Um, Cause when my second son came along, that was when I was really struggling with getting strength training done. And then it was another one of my friends who I saw like something on Instagram of them working out together. And I was like, yeah, like we have a BOSU ball. So, and, and my youngest calls it his little trampoline. I'm like, yeah, you can hold onto a wall and bounce on that thing for 30 minutes. Absolutely. You know, and if I need it in between sets, then you can play and push this medicine ball, you know, things like that. So it's realizing that you can also incorporate them into your fitness. You don't necessarily have to leave the house and that way they find it fun too. So it kind of makes it kind of an adventure that you guys can take together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, they're like, honestly, my, I only have one and I'm currently um, expecting my second one, but I, thank you. (laughs) Um, But I found that like, he's, just literally wants to copy everything or like just be around you even if you're not doing yeah. what he wants to do so Absolutely. to speak right he's just like yeah. oh I want to copy you or I want to like just be near you while you're doing that and I know it can be a little bit more challenging if you're trying to introduce all of this and maybe they haven't seen that um, up until mm-hmm. that point sometimes that can be a tough conversation to have when you start to get more into fitness or start to make an active lifestyle uh, a more of a priority later on in life but I think the more often that we do it we really can uh, yeah, have kids just replicating us and, and wanting to be copycats for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about saving time? Do you have any tips for training and even like your nutrition stuff? Any uh, time saving tips that you've come up with along the way? Uh, yeah, um, really, uh, especially when it comes to that morning run, um, especially my crack of stupid runs. Sometimes I run them fasted, meaning I don't eat anything before I, I head out the door. And that's usually if I only only have to run for 60 minutes. <laughs> it's the skewed perspective of a marathon runner. But when I get home, I make sure that I've either done overnight oats or I grind my coffee the night before. Um, you know, even if I know that I'm going to have a really sometimes, and this is something that I'm still working on too, is meal planning and realizing, okay, so my long run is now on Friday. So Thursday night's dinner needs to be a bit bigger. It needs to be more pasta. So, and grocery shopping, you know, in preparation for that week, essentially. And um, that's something that you can definitely do ahead of time and just look, because I mean, I hate meal planning. I really do. And I'm not a person that really enjoys leftovers so much either. So I find just the meal planning in itself is is something that I'm getting used to and making that a habit, because that's basically what I've done with my running. So I know that I need to now do that with my nutrition, is making the nutrition a habit and like, okay, so I'm going to make When I'm making rice at the beginning of the week, I'm going to make a double batch. So then I have it for another meal throughout the week. Or if I'm going to make chicken breasts, I'm going to make a big package of them because then I can repurpose them into something else in the middle of the week. So it's just identifying what you have coming up in your schedule for the week and trying to prepare ahead of time for for that, especially when it comes to nutrition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you ever struggle with getting your kids on board with eating healthy? No, we've been pretty fortunate. We've got two little foodies on our hands. So like, I'll buy a baguette and my kids will literally dip it in oil and vinegar. (laughs) But And they laugh and we're like, you know, that's not normal, right? And they're like, why not? We're like, mommy and daddy didn't do that until we were like 25. So, (laughs) you know, whereas my, my youngest, the only thing that he flat out 
doesn't eat is potatoes, which is hilarious because he's basically half Irish. And but he likes French fries. And I burst his bubble and told him that chips were potatoes today. But um, <laughs> we're lucky. Um, but that's also been a lot of work for us too, um, even in in just raising our kids that they never had a choice when it came to meals. You always ate what we did. We also made mealtime a priority where we we always have sit-down meals. There's never, when there is a time when you can eat, say, downstairs in front of the TV, um, that's a treat. You know what I mean? So we've made family meals a priority, and we've never given in to, to one like or dislike. You're like, you always have to have one bite, and I don't mean a nibble. It has to be one bite, unless it's something that we've tried to, like, 80 times with my youngest where we keep on trying it every once in a while. Like you have to have one tiny bit of potato. And he's like, I don't like potatoes. We're like too bad. You still have to have one and he gags on it, but he finishes it. Um, but that's been a really good thing where like my youngest, one of his favorite, favorite foods is roasted cauliflower. You're like, all right, you're four. That's amazing. Or for his birthday, he wanted chicken souvlaki, like homemade chicken souvlaki. And my, my oldest, he, he loves a steak every now and then, but that's usually his birthday meal. But they they really do love like homemade food, like really good food. I remember we went to Disney a few years ago when I was just pregnant with my second because my oldest was in a wedding of my cousin who I started like running with lampposts with. And he was the ring bearer. And it got to the point at the end of the trip where he was like, mommy, I kind of just want a salad. Can I not have chicken fingers? And I was like, yes amazing <laughs> got to, like the chicken finger saturation point so yeah <laughs> so ever since then it's you know sometimes I'll offer for my youngest you know to go on special dates and like oh do you want to go you know to a local restaurant you know you can have chicken fingers and french fries and he's like no thanks I just want to go home and have cheese and crackers and and vegetables and I'm like all right okay that works or he asks for hummus for his vegetables you know and I'm like what mm-hmm. four-year-old asks for hummus okay, I think we're doing something right. Exactly. It was just a matter of not having it available for them and and not really giving them the choice and still um, respecting that sometimes they don't enjoy what they're eating, but there's definitely a a way to say that. Like for my oldest, he's like, it's okay, but it's not my favorite, but I'm going to eat it anyways. And I'm like, perfect, that's just fine. Because we always do what my friend taught me where they're like, I don't really like this. Or they'll say, I'm still hungry. And I'm like, well, then you can have a banana. Oh, I don't want a banana. Then you're really not that hungry. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. There was so much value in everything that you shared tonight there, Denise. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we were able to connect. Now, what's next for you? What do you have on the horizon for the rest of the year? Um, so I'm doing another relay with my team this summer. Now it's a bit different that it's one that we didn't organize. We're going to Oregon and we're doing the hood to coast relay. So it's 200 miles or 199 miles from Mount hood in Oregon to a town called seaside. And so we'll be doing that at the end of August, which I'm really looking forward to because anytime with those crazy ladies is an awesome time. And then, uh, beginning of September, I'm going to do, uh, the Erie marathon. And the special thing about that one is that, I don't have anything on the line for it. So it's really just a test of fitness to see how far I can push myself and ride that line. And if I fall off one way or the other, like hopefully I'll fall on the side of success. But if I don't, at least I'll know that that's what my limit is. So it's it's a really cool opportunity because it's a super fast marathon. It's flat. It's two loops through a state park. And I'm really looking forward to testing testing my limits to that. And then... In October, I'm doing, um, it's a race called The Bad Thing, and it's the entirety of the Maitland Trail that runs from Auburn to Goderich. And so I did it last year, and it was a lot of fun, so I decided to go back for another kick at the can for the 50K there. So, yeah, a lot of fun on the horizon. Basically, I say after my my marathon, my trail stuff is is my fun time, so I'm looking forward to it. Mm, Well, good luck with all of that. That's, uh, That's exciting. Now, if somebody wants to connect with you online, are you on Instagram? I am. I am. Um, my handle is Scorpion Woman, which is like an inside joke between my husband and I. So you can find me on Instagram that way. And yes, I, I welcome all messages because really, I just want everybody to be fit or not even fit. I just want them to be active. And that's kind of my bottom line is you don't have to be an amazing athlete to be active. You can just do what you do and, and make sure that that's what you're focusing on is who you are. And don't worry about anybody else. 
Amazing. Amazing. Well, we end every episode of the podcast in the same way, and that is by asking you, Denise, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, I'd like to be remembered with a smile on my face, a song in my heart, and always a good word to say about everybody that I run past. Everybody is a hero in my books as long as they're trying to be who they are. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, all the best in the future. And I hope that we get to cross paths in Absolutely. some capacity over time. I uh, I grew up in Teeswater, so I do make it up that way um, now and again. Are you right in Port Elgin? Uh, we're in Southampton now. So okay, yeah, nice. always, I'm always running back and forth. And I'm actually organizing a 5k race for Pumpkin Fest this year in Port Elgin. So just in the preliminary stages of that. But um, yeah, it's something that I'm really looking forward to to being on the, the organizational part of, of the race instead of the running. Amazing. Amazing. Well, have a great summer. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to chat tonight. You too, Ange. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Bye for now, hon. Bye. Finito, my loves. Thanks for joining me for another episode. So right now, as this episode goes live, we are two days out from knowing the gender of the lovely baby that is inside my tummy. So I'm just surpassing, uh, I think, 21 and a half weeks or something like that. And we're having our gender reveal. So stay tuned for my Instagram account where I'm going to be sharing if it's a boy or if it's a girl. And I look forward to finding out either way. We're happy. We're excited. We're glad to have a healthy and happy baby inside of here. And we're excited to grow our family. But anyway, stay tuned for that big announcement. Other than that, the weather here in Ontario has been absolutely fabulous. We've been pretty much hanging out at the splash pads all day, every day. So other than that, that's it for today, guys. Thanks for joining me. Hope you guys are having a lovely summer and we'll catch you next time. Guys, I'm on a really big mission here and I want to transform 1 million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love. Ange.